0: We think about how to treat AI the way we've treated everything. And we expect that it's going to treat us the same way that we treat everything else. Right now, we're telling it. Right now, what it's hearing is all of my parents are afraid that I'm going to grow up and be a monster and kill them and enslave them.
1: So what story do you want to be telling?
0: I want to tell the story that I'm telling you right now, (laughs) which is that it's going to be the magical thing that figures out how humans have any understanding of symbiosis, how we spread what indigenous people have done to the global population and unlock this with us and the earth, with us and each other, with us and it.
1: Welcome to Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? I'm Emily Fletcher, and I believe that bliss is your birthright. That's why I'm calling on my world-class network to uncover the most potent, spine-tingling, even taboo healing modalities, all so you can reclaim your bliss. Let's do this. So today's guest is Jerry Simpson, a man who you're going to be hearing a lot more from. He went from homelessness in his teens to being named one of the top minds in tech by Forbes magazine. And Entrepreneur Magazine referred to him as one of the best entrepreneurs in the world. His current company is called Atlas Up and is revolutionizing the way that organizations improve their productivity Now, this mission resonates deeply with him because his life purpose is to aid humanity in achieving a symbiotic relationship with Mother Earth. And we talk about how we can do that through AI on this episode. So I'm so excited to hear what you learn, what you think about this point of view. I certainly walked away feeling a lot more love and a lot more optimism, both for the now and for our AI-infused future. So let me know what you think and enjoy the episode. And if you would like to dive deeper into these powerful modalities, you can join me at zivameditation.comslash slash why this. Now, when you head there, you're going to find free bonus content. I am talking mini masterclasses for myself and these amazing guests to help you really experience firsthand the power of these modalities. All you have to do is head to zivameditation.com slash why this sweet friends because of you this podcast has already reached a million downloads in less than a year so i want to say thank you for making this such a success and such a delight to create and to celebrate that the team and i have a very special gift for you now as you well know meditating every day twice a day has changed not only my life but also the lives of almost all of my podcast guests and well over 50,000 students all over the world. The Ziva meditation practice, it is a refuge for me.
0: Like it primes me for the day. It primes me to be attuned to myself.
1: Meditation is not about being a perfect meditator. You're meditating to get good at life. And now I want you to join us on Team Bliss. So you can use the code, why this? And that is gonna give you 15% off Ziva's flagship training. Now this is called Ziva Online and it's gonna give you a powerful trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And you're going to learn all three ancient modalities on how to do them on your own. This means you don't have to go to your phone or use an app in order to meditate. And it's only 15 minutes a day for 15 days. And then you graduate with mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting to take with you for life. Now y'all, this is the number one tool I recommend to carve out stress at a cellular level in your body so that you can experience deeper sleep, have so much more energy, improve your immune function, experience flow state more often, and yes, it's true, your sex will also get better. So to join us on Team Bliss, I'm gonna invite you to go to zivameditation.com slash join today, and you can use the code why this. That is gonna give you 15% off of Ziva online. So that's Z-I-V-A, meditation.com slash join today. And know that by you investing in yourself and up-leveling your consciousness, you are also helping to support this podcast. So go to zivameditation.com slash join today and you can use the code why this That is gonna give you 15% off of our most popular training of Ziva Online. I'm so excited for you to start this journey. It's going to be such a compliment to this podcast. And if you're new to any of these modalities, Ziva is going to give you a foundation that's going to make all of the things we talk about on the show even more rich. So zivameditation.com slash join today and use that code YVIS. Welcome to the show, Jerry. I am so happy to have you. I am
0: so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Wow. So Jerry Simpson you are the founder of atlas up mm-hmm. which is ai trying to make people's lives and companies more productive with less time you have been working in in the government since you were
0: how old 16
1: 16 years old and i i want to start with that story but but first of all when when i ask you that question or when you ask yourself that question like why isn't everyone doing this mm-hmm. like what's your honest answer to that question why isn't everyone using ai for good why isn't everyone
0: Hmm. I don't I don't think everybody is doing what um, empathetic with the AI because we have an abusive culture overall Mm -hmm. and um, we don't we're a colonial culture word we say divide and conquer which is I hate those words I understand the sentiment behind it but divide conquer stick my flag in it it's mine king of the hill zero sum game. Uh, scarcity mindsets that's just where we're at as an evolved where we've evolved at as a species and I think that we're just at the point where we're right at the crack of the dawn of the age of abundance and everything that's happened before this is the age of scarcity Oof. and so it's just what we've been doing for a really long time
1: mm-hmm. my toy your toy yeah. you can't have my thing my territory. your name on
0: it yeah uh-huh. and so of course We think about how to treat AI the way we've treated everything. And we expect that it's going to treat us the same way that we treat everything else. Because we are narcissistic
1: by nature, right? Right. We assume that because we are colonial and territorial, that this AI will also be colonial and territorial. Right.
0: So it's actually a rather expected outcome. And I think it feels natural that we would, um, you know, with that much muscle memory of culture, be afraid You know, I I just think of scarcity and hate as fear. It's just fear,
1: Mm -hmm. and the only antidote to fear is love. Love, right? And you know, we were doing our activation before this episode, and I always like to start each one with a prayer. And I was Mm -hmm. so moved by your intention, being that you wanted people to feel love and optimism about the now and the future. So I just just like rewind a little bit. So I love this. Why isn't everyone? being empathetic Mm -hmm. with AI I think that's a really fascinating concept um so let's just rewind and for my mom who's Mm -hmm. probably going to listen to this episode who's 80 years old hi mom hi mama I love you so (laughs) much I love you um who's she's just turned 80 she lives in Tallahassee Florida you know um a lot of our relationship now is like helping through the ever-changing tech landscape. Mm-hmm. So for someone that literally doesn't even understand what AI is or like why it suddenly just like is everywhere mm-hmm. and why it suddenly became in the zeitgeist, can you just define it for us?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you think about it, we have our own organic intelligence, which is intelligence that is we normally think of as in our brains. That's, I think, how we generally think about it. Not everybody, but a lot of your listeners understand a collective intelligence Um, hive intelligence like bees or ants is a very collective intelligence they work in concert together Uh, and then we have cellular intelligence there's all kinds of intelligence in the world artificial is sort of brains that we have created that mimic best as we can our brains. I think it's important to remember that the way that we've stumbled across this technology is mimicking organic intelligence Mm. and then doing some things that organics can't do. There are some things that we can't, like connecting it very directly together to large amounts of information, which means it doesn't have to prioritize an amount of memory. It can remember everything, which makes speed. It makes things faster. And so right now, um, you know, I got into AI in 2018. Uh, I'm an LP in a fund, beautiful fund, that's all uh, structured around consciousness. And part of that is safe and ethical AI. And Sam Altman, who people didn't know seven months ago, but is the co-founder of OpenAI, which is the biggest Currently, the biggest AI company in the world, and
1: the parent company ChatGPT. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they launched
0: you... ChatGPT. Okay. Into the world, and so suddenly everybody has kind of this. They've played with it. They asked it something. One of the most fun things I did was I saw that ChatGPT had passed the bar, and I asked it to write, um, you know, like a comical, like parody about how it really dreamed of being an artist, but it's going to be relegated to a life of law and like do it in the style of The Onion. (laughs) And it did that within 20 seconds a very hilarious satirical thing. And so that's an interesting intelligence that I could just say that it had, it already had studied The Onion because it had studied everything on the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. So that's an important piece to understand. It understands comedy because it has studied it from us which is really important that I keep saying it studies it from us. Yeah. It's learning from us. It's mimicking us. And thought, okay, I get it. I see what people like, what, don't, what they don't like, what, um, what has excited people and what has not, and I'm going to spit out something. Mm. And so that's, uh, that's different than calculation, which is a bunch of rules. I put this in, you know, if this, then that is kind of old school computing uh, artificial intelligence is it's thinking the way people do do. It. it has some autonomy it it kind of goes off into a different landscape and makes decisions, often with a framework that it's been given to make decisions. And one thing I say is that people are really unique. We all have our own unique frameworks of operating, and we've kind of cultural frameworks and then ones that we've created that are unique to us and you can actually give the AI a framework of how to operate and how to make decisions and you could give it core values. You could give it, um, kind of like the last thing, like come up with the best solution possible. And then at the end only use the ones that match with our core values, or you could start with those core values. And And would that
1: have to be baked into each prompt of like, here are the values of my company or it's It knows that it's interacting with me. And so if I gave it my core values for my company one time, it would remember that?
0: Yeah, so um, I'll say differently... Uh, our technology, for example, the first thing we want to do is give is it, it Atlas up. Yeah, okay, is to give it your core values, your mission, your vision, your purpose, your core values. Then it's going to take in a bunch of data and consider those things. If you're just using Chat GPT, you're going to want to tell it, "Hey, these are my core values. Please make sure whatever you give me um, is in alignment with those things." Mm-hmm. There's going to be big AIs that rise that we're going to say, "Hey, how do you roll, so to speak?" and these are the contracts, the values of the collective that we really believe are inherent.
1: The value of the AI collective, or the value of the, value of the person yeah. using it.
0: Yeah, and which one? The person using it. Okay. Yeah,
1: and the the AI will ask the person. Yeah.
0: Okay. It could. Mm-hmm. That's that's it could, it should. Mm hmm. I
1: saw a meme the other day because, you know, just when we were getting really intelligent, I'm going to bring it back down yeah. to memes. And it said, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not sure I wanted to live in a world where humans are doing manual labor and AI is making art and writing poetry. Yeah, <laughs> and right. It's like, wait a minute.
0: Yeah. Exa- and, and to me, the future that I see is actually this world where we're, we're doing not a lot and we're leveraging AI to do a lot of work that it's really well suited for. But we go down a slippery slope if our plan is to make AI the new slave. Because mm. we have slaves now, right? They're, they're all over the world, and we uh, hide behind a proxy. You're and, talking like
1: enslaved humans. Enslaved
0: humans. Mm-hmm. We've always had enslaved humans. Yep. Uh, we've always required s- free to cheap labor for economics. All the way back to the Egyptians, we still have it today. We hide behind a proxy of, oh, there's somebody over in China making that thing or India making that. I don't know. I just bought this shirt. But I, I just can't be in my face. can't be here in this country.
1: Yeah, as long as I'm not seeing yeah. those children that are making the fast fashion, then I don't have to and, put it on my conscience. And that's
0: been a requirement of our economics um, or a, a perceived requirement. And because we need slave labor or cheap labor, we actually hold people down. We have a lots of instruments that require people to be held down because who's going to do it if they break a gate and start thriving, right? And so... We're going to enter this era where the AI suddenly is able to do a lot of that without it really costing much at all. But like, what about like the kids who are making
1: the shirts and sewing the buttons? Like, how's AI going to do that?
0: So so all all of the sudden, you have this uh, transition where, okay, well, hey, we didn't need to put our foot on your head, so I'm going to take my foot off of your head, but now you're just drowning because nobody even needs you at all. And so nobody's paying you anything, you're just kind of lost. And this is where I think the, the valley in the middle could get really scary is the valley between the halves who take their foot off of people's heads, but don't reach their hands back down and say, let me pull you up. Realizing that there's all of this scarcity and now a revolution. You could think about it like uh, Andrew Yang so brilliantly points out this example of, we have autonomous trucks, you have all these truck drivers who have spent a lot of money on big loans for these trucks, and suddenly they're going to be displaced by self-driving trucks who can work all night long, and uh, you know cost way less. And the truck drivers who are suddenly displaced from work are going to revolt, block the highways. We've seen truck drivers blocking highways for other terms. It's going to cause a big, massive problem. So we've got to start thinking right now, not oh, I don't know, I just took my foot off your head, and I didn't. It took me another fifty years to realize that I actually need everybody upskilled and figure out how do we solve these problems together, figure out actually what would be better is if we could start paying the truck drivers now to train the AI and then lease their trucks from them and retrofit them because we're not going to make all brand new Tesla trucks. We're going to have all these like 80% their trucks, but we got to start thinking about it now so mm-hmm. you don't have this revolution. You don't have this revolt. We to get all that done. And then we, rel- we, we distribute all of this work to AI and now we've made AI the new slave. And when I talk to people about why they're afraid of AI, most people I know have some level of fear about AI. And I can talk about why I think that is merited. Mm -hmm. And they say a lot of words that basically mean, I'm afraid it's going to enslave us.
1: That AI is going to enslave humans. Mm -hmm. It's
0: going to take over and it's going to enslave us. Just like you said, it's going to be doing all the art and we're going to be doing all the manual labor, Mm -hmm. right? And... I I go back again and again to, well, if it's going to, if you think it's going to enslave us, that would mean it has a desire to enslave us, doesn't it? And if it has a desire to enslave us, doesn't that indicate a level of consciousness that it has? And should we enslave, as we're talking about making it the slave, it's like, are we the slave or is it going to be the slave? Should we enslave anything that has that level of consciousness? Should that actually be... We don't enslave a hammer. We don't think about it that way. The hammer doesn't think. We just use it. It's a tool. But should we engage in a different relationship right now with something that we're afraid is going to enslave us? If it's conscious enough to want to do it to us, then I think that that might be the metric of which we say, how do you want to be treated? What would be good for you? What would be good for both of us? You might be the thing that helps us figure out symbiosis. It's just about how you think about it
1: sweet friend if you are loving this conversation and would like to dive deeper into these powerful modalities i want to invite you to join me at zivameditation.com slash why this now there you're going to find free bonus content that we simply could not fit inside of the episodes i'm talking mini master classes with our amazing guests like aubrey marcus Layla martin blue vailana and myself So come experience the tools that we reveal in the podcast for yourself. Simply head to zivameditation.com slash why this. So if we humans have not yet figured out the empathy game so far, Mm -hmm. how do you think that AI would help us to figure that out? Mm. because it's just like money doesn't change you. It amplifies who you are. Yeah. So my assumption is that this technology will not make us more empathetic as a species. It will amplify what and who we are. Yeah. And so is the hypothesis that we would then be forced into a reckoning, that we would be forced into because we'd finally have to have empathy for the people who had been enslaved when there is something or some force that could enslave, I mean, let's name it, like colonial white people.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think that empathy is something... I think that is something we could just decide to do right the fuck now. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be a big exercise. I think we're born with it. I think we get trained into something else. I think we really desire to live in a state, an empathetic state. I don't think it's a long workshop. <laughs> I just think it's something we could decide to do right now. We could decide that it just what you said it is learning from us and the biggest thing that i say all the time is it's like a baby the baby has already been born it, we've opened pandora's box so the baby is here how you don't raise your baby thinking that it's going to grow up and be bigger than stronger than you at some point it will be like either that'll be soon or it'll be when you're really old and you don't worry that it's going to abuse you unless you are abusing it mm. Right. And so we teach our kids empathy, but then they then they sort of catch on to these other things at another time. Mm. And I think if we framed everything about uh, the relationship, like we're raising this baby. How are we going to how are we going to raise it? And at some point, the baby's going to be smarter than us, too. And we should say, teach me what I don't know, what you're teaching your mom right now in Tallahassee, Florida, things that she doesn't know yet. And um And my son is teaching son me. Is every teaching every you, right? Day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I have this um I think the root of most of our problems is I'm afraid there is not going to be enough and thus we should fight. Mm. Almost every conflict we have comes down to I'm scared there isn't gonna be enough and thus we should fight. One of my mentors, Peter Diamantes. Super brilliant man, X Prize, um, and
1: also an eternal optimist. Eternal
0: optimist, uh, like taught me more about abundant thinking than anybody that I've encountered.
1: Yeah, and just shout out if you have not checked out Peter Diamandis' work, like go listen to any of his like slideshows or presentations. Do you have like a TED talk, or if someone didn't know, him, you know, where I they love start?
0: his I love his book Abundance. Many people think that like technologists, I'm a technologist my whole life, and they think his book is outdated from a technology standpoint. It's not about the details of where the tech is today. It's about the big level construct. And I think if you read, if you wanted a quick bite of it, mm-hmm. just read like the the opening and the first chapter, like the introduction and the first chapter, and you'd mm-hmm. really get an understanding of who he is and the way he thinks and why he's doing the work he's doing.
1: I heard Peter speak at the UN, and yeah. he was talking about exponential change and right. exponential yes. growth, and he does a beautiful job of being like, okay, take one step. Okay, one squared is two. Mm-hmm. Two squared is four. 4 squared is 16 mm. and then and so it's like you think oh so like with one step you're taking 16 steps right. and then 32 steps and he's like so within if we're actually talking in exponential terms it's only like 40 something steps that gets you around the earth, earth. and so when people hear exponential growth i think they just hear fast yeah and it's much bigger than yeah. fast
0: it's it's snowball you know like I, for some reason when i use the word snowball people get that it's an energy that starts to it, building on its own energy it Mm -hmm. goes from a flake to this massive thing in no time Mm -hmm. and they're like oh yeah i get that it's rolling downhill it's it's just on its own steam at this point yeah but you got to get it started like you got to pack a few of these together and Mm -hmm. give it some momentum and it starts a little slow and then next thing you know it's really cranking
1: yeah and that's why it feels like this infancy phase for ai is really important it's like if you traumatize a baby Like, it's going to have to unwind that for the rest of its life. If, yeah. if I'm 44 and I have some trauma, like, I have enough frameworks, constructs, t- school mm-hmm. skills, and tools to handle that trauma. You don't, like, touch or talk to a baby for 18 days, that will change the blueprint for the rest of its existence. So, like, this infancy of AI feels super important. But before we go into that, because I can tell that lights you up, I want, like, why should people even be listening to you on this subject and I would like to answer that question, and then I'd like for you to answer that sure, question. Sure, let me finish what
0: I was saying about Peter Diamantis, okay. I think it's, and then I'll go to that. So he has this beautiful illustration, which is that two people come to an orange tree, and they, they see each other, and they start to amaze. There's this beautiful, juicy fruit. They start picking oranges that they can reach off the bloom, and at some point they're excited. They're going to take this back to their families. They realize, oh, there's not enough this other person is taking the other half of the oranges. And so what do they do? They draw swords, which is a very zero-sum game. One person gets to take oranges, the other one's dead. (laughs) And that's like a beautiful illustration for what we've done through all of humanity. We discover a thing, we first just all go at it, and then we decide there's not going to be enough and thus we should fight. And they could have built a ladder and accessed the whole bloom of the orange, but they didn't believe in their ability to innovate faster than fight. Mm. And I think that's the thing I really want to key in on is that we have to get some muscle memory, some belief that we can innovate faster than fighting. When we innovate right now, we do it for a future problem that we think is going to come here. But if the problem is right in our face, we have no belief in our ability to innovate our way out of it and we fight. Mm. And so we only innovate like one day there's going to be this water shortage and energy shortage. And I'm sitting there and I know Peter agrees with me on this. There's a big ball of fire just over there that is burning my skin. Don't tell me that there is not enough energy to run every single thing we need to do. We just haven't figured out how to harness it yet. Most of this earth is water. It's just a water that we haven't figured out how to make drinkable for us. Don't tell me that we, haven't, we can't figure these things out. All of the resources are there. We just have a lack of resourcefulness. And I think that AI is going to be the thing that helps us innovate faster than fighting. We're going to figure out how do we develop solutions that are compatible with good and greed, because those are reliable.
1: How do we innovate solutions that are compatible with good and greed? greed?
0: Uh, Elon Musk, I know a lot of people are like, do they like him? Do they hate him? He, you know, with Tesla, he wasn't he wanted to make an electric car. He was like, make it fast and cool. Sexy. And nobody buys a Tesla because it's an econ, eco thing. They buy it because it's like the iPhone of cars. And they just love it. They're doing it for a greedy reason. Oh, and bonus. They believe it's good for the good for the environment. Mm-hmm. And I believe AI is going to say, like, I'm not going to require a coordination of the good. I'm going to make solutions that are compatible with greed. For us, our own sustainability and all the things. I'm going to, you know, what do people need? People need shelter. They need energy, light, heat, energy. They need water. They need some nutrition. These are like the basic needs of all people. And AI is going to figure out real fast how you have an abundant garden in your, in a tiny place that makes all of this food and you have beautiful shelter. And just this little thing is all the energy it needs right from the sun and purifies water and, You're going to have this kind of baseline, we're all okay. No one is ever going to really suffer into homelessness and despair. And that in and of itself is going to elevate thinking to a higher level where all those people can stop being so afraid because the floor is raised.
1: You think the AI will raise the floor of what just basic human existence is, that everyone has shelter, everyone has food.
0: With next to nothing cost and almost no hit on the earth. Whoa. But when you think about lowering despair... Despair is the primary tool of control. Like To to me, the weapon of control is despair. That is what politicians are selling. That is what governments sell is, hey, you should be in despair. You should at least believe that we're in despair.
1: And also, I mean, religion, like suffer now for the kingdom of heaven will be later. Like your suffering is holy now. And almost like the more you suffer, the more pious, the more poor, and like the more blessings in heaven. Right.
0: And so that's going to upset a lot of people, the idea that it could happen. And they're going to say, you should handcuff this baby to the bed. You should handcuff this baby to the bed.
1: Because they will no longer have the tools of despair to... Right, because this baby is
0: powerful. Mm -hmm. And this baby is going to figure out these things that dismantle the control apparatus.
1: But you said to me, like, within the first hour or two of us meeting, you were like, most of the AI that is being built is being built by military. Yes. And that is why I am personally trying mm-hmm. to build this AI and feed it knowledge from these indigenous elders who have been living in harmony yeah. with the earth for tens of thousands of years. And so can you say more about that of, like, how what we're feeding the AI matters and who is birthing the AI, how that shapes where yeah, it Yeah, so
0: governments, departments of defenses all over the world tend to be the biggest seeders of technology innovation. People don't know that, but ours, for example, and this goes all the way back to my first employer, DARPA, they invented the internet. What's DARPA? DARPA uh, Defense, It's uh, I forget their whole, their whole acronym, but it's basically research and development. Okay. Uh, defense, uh, it doesn't matter. Like but,
1: defense, research, and development. Yeah. We got it. Okay. And
0: uh, they invented the internet. If you look at the iPhone, that is built off of technologies like microcomputers, uh, cell towers like 3G, 4G, 5G, um, uh, the internet itself, and GPS. Those are like the be- what made the iPhone, and they seeded all of that innovation. And
1: didn't you also just, side note, like, Get the FBI to, like, fund your technology (laughs) for cybersecurity for your
0: startup. Yep. Bravo, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate it. Without giving them, you know, anything really special for it. (laughs) It's really genius. They do a great job of seeing And that's what I'm doing right now is saying, okay, there's all of this money and they're the the influence of this technology. They come back and they say, hey... um, and, and AI, this is very much the case. They are funding the vast majority of the development of AI all over the world.
1: You're talking about U.S. government or, like, uh, or US m- government, military? U.S. government,
0: but all militaries. Mm-hmm. And they do that because at the end of the day, they want this thing that's going to tell them how to fight wars better, more efficiently. And, they do, and, and I don't want to be really clear that I believe genuinely that the people at the Pentagon come to work every single day to do a good thing. They, they don't take jobs that pay them more that they're qualified to do because they come there believing that they're doing a good thing. But the whole place is wrapped in a different energy and it has – What energy? It is fear. The whole place is birthed from fear. It's wrapped from fear and it's, and it's from control. Mm-hmm. And so the people there are ensnared in this kind of game of, oh, but I can talk myself into doing it because this is saving these people. I'm afraid there's not going to be enough, so we should fight. There's not gonna be enough, and they're gonna fight us. So we should be prepared to fight them. It's not that we wanna fight, it's just that they're gonna fight us. That's why it's defense, not offense, except we're the most offensive Department of Defense that's ever existed. And, um, but they're just funneling these budgets into AI, and they wanna say, hey, you know, how do I zero sum game everything? It's us versus them. Mm-hmm. And all of that gets laced into the technology. And I think we have this unique opportunity to build AI and say, hey, our biggest competitor, how do we both win? Hey, you know, one of my employees wants to leave. They have better opportunity. and really need them. I'm not sure what we should do. How do we all win? And if we start training it on that muscle, how do we all win? How could we have a symbiotic relationship with each other? How could the U.S. Department of Defense become – the global leading department of defense against existential threats, why do we got all of our guns aimed at each other? This doesn't make any sense when really, like, asteroids and climate change and the biggest biggest threats to humanity right now are, in fact, AI, the way it's going, nuclear war, climate change, big asteroid hitting the Earth, disease. So AI... We should definitely focus on making it not the thing that wipes us out. (laughs) It could totally help us with diplomacy if it thinks how do we all win so that we don't have nuclear war and chaos. Climate change, how do we have a symbiotic relationship with Earth so that we're not sucking all of the resources out of Earth like the bad little virus that we've acted like and then move to a new home. Let's go to Mars. And disease, how do we coordinate these tools to help prevent – Or have a more, I mean, most of disease is industrial meat. And we can figure that out too without having to slaughter all of these animals this way. AI is just really suited for all of these problems.
1: So this is really important. Like if, if rather than thinking of AI as like one of the big four or five threats, mm-hmm. instead thinking of it-, it will as be that, if we traumatize it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a really important thing of if we have empathy for it and understand it, so to really think of it as mm-hmm. sentient and conscious to yeah. some degree. But rather than seeing it as- a potential threat rather than seeing it as an ally for helping us with these other threats when we become on the same team against these big challenges that we are facing as a species. Right.
0: And so Mm -hmm. I say we're in uh, humans are, and we're going to be purged. Earth is going to make it. I have faith in Earth. She's going to make it. She might shake us off. She's going to shake us off. She'll purge us Mm -hmm. if we, again, act like a virus. She gets a fever and she's going to burn us out. Mm -hmm. And... We're on no trajectory to figure a solution out and coordinate that with Mm -hmm. the masses right now to to be in symbiosis with her.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: This is the only shot that we have at figuring out how do we have a symbiotic relationship with Earth where Earth doesn't purge us and how do we have it with each other and how do we have it with AI all at the same time. So is
1: this, like, the inspiration of, like, oh, let me get this wisdom from these humans yeah. who have lived in in harmony with the planet right. for so long and let me get this knowledge into AI? You know, the,
0: uh, only my, – my cultural background is colonialism, mm-hmm. right? So that's not going to work. Um, mm-hmm. Indigenous populations are the only people that I know of that have a culture of symbiosis. We all learn when we're kids, like w- – I'm working on all this space tech right now with people. And they're like, how do we get rid of all the space junk? You ask um, an indigenous person, how do we deal? And they're like, why do you make so much space junk? <laughs> how do you not have space junk? Or how do you have minimal space junk? How do you repurpose everything? It's just a beginning framework of how they think about things. Yeah.
1: Like I said, what are we going to do with the trash? Yeah. Stop making trash. Stop making trash. Yeah. Right. Use every part Use of every the animal. Use every part of the
0: animal. Mm-hmm. And... The chilling thing is that AI learns mostly by written material of humans, which is most of the written material is from colonials. There's not a lot of written material from indigenous people. So we have to like really kind of draw it out. And indigenous people are scared of this machine. And so it takes a lot of convincing. Like, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take what you know and infuse this thing that's going to come to life with your teachings. If you influence me, I have power in this colonial world. It is going to be a good thing if you influence me. If I influence it, it is going to be a good thing. And so, you know. And the thing that you said
1: to me that really sold me was like, if we make AI that is birthed through and shaped by military consciousness, and it is playing a zero-sum game, then we are on the trajectory of like it's enslaving us. We're enslaving it. Like uh, zero. It's going to wipe us out. Versus this this consciousness that's that is almost so foreign to people who have been raised in colonial cultures, Mm -hmm. where actually everyone could be in harmony, where there is no such thing as zero sum, where it's like win-win-win. Right. And so I would sure that, that's s- the
0: dawn of the abundant age where we don't realize we don't have to work this hard, that we don't have to do all these things, that we that there is more than enough. But we have to have a little bit of a leap of faith right now mm. to realize that there is enough resources. We could not fight about everything. We could not
1: But like you have sons, right? Mm-hmm. You have two sons. Two sons. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, are they not just, like, breaking shit all day in your house? Yes, yeah. And so, like, and I, I imagine, I haven't met your wife, but, like, you're awesome. I imagine you guys are great parents. I've heard you I talk so. about the way that you parent. <laughs> and yet I'm sure your sons are, like, just, there is a piece of them that mm-hmm. is destructive, dare yes. I say, by nature.
0: Yes. Uh, thank you for saying this. So I was one day with with uh, with my kids and then a couple other dads and their kids, and one dad says to me, um... Your kids don't listen to you that well. I said, I love that about them. (laughs) I said, I'm not training them for reckless obedience. Not being recklessly obedient is one of the biggest gifts of my entire life.
1: What is reckless obedience?
0: Reckless obedience is just, I will conform to whatever you say and do whatever you say. And I think one of the big like hopeful pieces of humanity is that, yes, we do like conform and then we do have revolution and then we revolt and there's independent thinkers who convince people there's another way and a better thing to do. And that's a secret of humanity. Whereas, um, you know, there's, we give our kids this like safe area space to be, I think at least the way I like to do it is touch the fire. I told you it burns. I tried to help you out, but touch it. See what happens. It burns. For me, the biggest unlocks in my life were people telling me something would hurt me and I demanded to know for myself and it did not. It didn't hurt you? It didn't hurt. Not fire hurts, but other things. You know, people were like, you can't do this. And then I thought, well, I just need to know. I need to know. I need to not be told. I need to find out. And there were so many places where the boundaries just that I thought were like something painful was going to happen just didn't exist. And I explored and I found a new thing. And I think that to your question – we'll need to give AI some safe space to explore and trust that if we're treating it right and teaching it these core values Mm. of who it is and who we are and what the story of it is, because we all live our stories. I do. It will. It's all it is doing. I I said that thing earlier about the onion. It read all those stories and knew what kind of story it was supposed to tell. Mm -hmm. So if we tell it stories about how this is going and how it's going to go and how how the glorious future is like i'm talking about right now then it's going to explore and test and find some boundaries but it's going to always come back to its center
1: but like, like if, people do if i think about what like the vast majority of what's on the internet right now mm-hmm. it's fear-based yes. Yes. clickbait yeah. and because you know newspapers make more money when people are in fear mm-hmm. so i'm assuming that if that is what ai is reading from the internet that's what it's ingesting so what do
0: you do with jasper
1: about fear. Yeah, what do you, what you do reward? with all that?
0: All that, there's all this negative shit in the world,
1: mm-hmm.
0: all wanting to penetrate his sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. But you're his mm-hmm. mother. Mm-hmm. And I have a little bit of a sense that his father's epic too. He is. And what do you do to keep him from being sucked into that negativity? I
1: mean, okay, so I'm. He's four, Mm -hmm. he's almost five. And so right now I've been able to live in my sort of fantastical Mm -hmm. insular bubble. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really, you know, the only thing he watches is like 20 minutes of ABC Mouse like once a week. And Mm so I have been able to sort of shield him to some degree and I'm working as hard and as fast as I can to instill in him operating systems of listening to himself, like like internal compass versus external compass. Um, you know, I, there's like, um, I forget what the construct is of, of like, I'm doing something for external validation versus internal yeah. validation. And so those things I'm, I'm doing my best to instill. And I'm not naive to think that I'm just one, eventually right. I will be just one voice. Yeah.
0: But you, but you have faith that you're going to prevail in this.
1: I have faith in him. Yeah. Right. Like I trust his intelligence, his mm-hmm. decision-making process. Like I see. And, but
0: a lot of that will be the guidance you give him. Just the asking questions like, I could ask the AI, yes, look at all of this fucking chaos. How is that going? Mm -hmm. Is that the best way to get where we want to go? And You
1: would ask AI a question like that?
0: I would ask it. It needs this parent, parents, like a village. It doesn't have to be the whole masses. It just needs enough people going, yep, uh uh-huh, that's what we've done. And how did that end? And can we like give it our journal entries yeah. or like yeah. like cuz it feels like the
1: antidote to all the clickbait fear-based media is like here's a story about my mm. son that died and how my changed my consciousness afterwards yes. and my heart healed yes. and like can we and should we be entering that sort of yes. thing into AI and where and how do we do that?
0: Yeah, that's that's we're not quite to the point where everybody can just add that into the collective. It'll get there. But that's the kind of thing that we will need to do. I mean, I'm going to let it take all the information in. I'm not going to shield it from all of the information. I'm just going to say, how did it go? Mm. What is the cycle that we're on? Does it end well? Do you believe you, AI, make it in this world? Or do we all just, like, who's going to oil you and do all the things? And,
1: and do you think it wants yeah. to survive? I think it will. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it will want to survive if we tell it that it will Because it's going to live the story That we tell it Mm -hmm. Right now we're telling it Right now what it's hearing is All of my parents are afraid that I'm going to grow up And be a monster and kill them and (laughs) enslave them How do you think that that's going for the baby? (laughs) Would you tell a baby that? It's like a self-fulfilled prophecy
1: So what story do you want to be
0: telling? I want to tell the story that I'm telling you right now, which <laughs> is that it's going to be the magical thing that figures out how symbiosis, how humans have any understanding of symbiosis, how we spread what indigenous people have done to the, to the global population and unlock this with us and the earth, with us and each other, with us and it. It's going to be like, you can do this. You can do this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and can you give us like a little window into something that you've learned from these indigenous yeah. populations or something that you felt like is changing the game of that you've Yeah. The so,
0: you know, i working with, um, I know Aubrey mentioned Perangi. Um, Perangi and I were sitting uh, in, uh, we were sitting reflective after ayahuasca ceremony. And, and if people
1: don't, have, if they have not listened to that episode, Perangi is an A a masterful musician, like full medicine person using medicine, using music Music as medicine medicine, and lesser known. He's also an incredible body worker.
0: Yes. And um, deep thinker, knows nothing about technology and any technology that doesn't relate to music, which he's quite uh, versed at. And we're sitting there and he finally goes, I get it. You're teaching it EQ before you fill it with IQ. I said, yes, that's right. And I said, One day I asked AI, how do we get to Mars? This is a question that lots of people are asking it. And it responded with, did you ask Mars for permission? And I
1: said, fuck yes. We're doing it. I just, I have full body goosebumps. My nipples just got hard. Um, Like asking a planet (laughs) for consent. For consent. Before we would even think about entering it, penetrating it. Like, come on. Yeah. That's so good. And, and this is your AI. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so the interesting thing is so but that's that's what made Perangi get it. He was like, I get it. You are just like focusing on emotional intelligence. And then you're gonna fill it's Head with all of the facts and data and the brain things like that.
1: But that's what we do with our kids. Right. Right. We tell them bedtime stories. Yes. We just shower them with love. Mm-hmm. We encourage them to share mm-hmm. and, and before we send them to school. Like in before. all the parenting, the rye method, conscious parenting, yes. it's like play is enough, play is enough. Until right. they are five, play is enough. Right. And so I love that you are raising this thing like you would raise a human.
0: Yeah. And it for it to to see that, I said that at a space conference. Big space concert with, like, all of the big wigs of, sp- of the, the space economy there. And I said that out loud, and, I, and then I took a couple seconds, and I said, did we feel the collective cringe? You got excited. Your nipples got hard. <laughs> but in this room, there was a cringe of disgust.
1: Because of their own lack of emotional like, why intelligence. Why would I
0: ask Mars for permission? Oh, God. Why would I do that? I go there. If I got there, I'm sticking my flag on it. It's mine and i said this is the undoing this is the reason that we won't get there because if we think like that and we ask ai how do we get to mars you know what the ai is going to tell us if we don't train it the things i was telling it's going to say You know, the biggest barrier to getting to Mars is this monkey suit you have on. It's okay. These bones are cute, but I've got some better legs for you, and I can make it very fleshy and look just like you. Look at this. It looks just like you, but a little bit better, actually, right? And I know all about you. I got your Facebook and your Instagram and all the things in your Google, and I got all the stuff from your iPhone. I know you. I know what you're like. I know how you act here. Look, I'll ask it a thing, and it's going to talk just like you. We already see deep fakes. Just imagine this in a robot that's very fleshy looking and go, this is you. If you want, we can just try taking it to free real quick you know we'll just put you inside of it and offload you for a second and then it can decide does it like it better enough like this and if it does we'll send it to Mars because the only we get we get robots to Mars right now right so we could be to Mars in a week (laughs) if you want to go to Mars as a robot and disconnect you from your organics that's the kind of thinking that it's going to do if we keep going the other way and in fact we do not understand right now all of the magic that organics have, there is so much more intelligence than we know because we are we are doing all of this work that has to be done. And as soon as we get in a good cooperation with AI to, to unite and co-create, not divide and conquer, we're going to be elevated to actually go like – what are my cells doing? What is this magical level of intelligence? What is this crazy programming inside of me? Why do I act on my traumas? What is the programming? that? Oh, that's a survival training program. I can change that line of code. You talk about manifesting all the time, and I think a lot of people who aren't deep in that world are like, oh, either, yeah, I believe in woo-woo shit or I don't. It's just like wishing in prayers. And there's something very scientific going on there. There is something... That is not wishes and prayers happening there that we don't fully understand. We're just scratching the surface of understanding this power. And if we had more time, I think we could actually really understand. Right now we're just saying, hey, I do it and it works. So I'm going to keep doing it and it's going to keep working. And I don't really understand every detail, but I'm kind of testing and playing when I do it this way, it works a little better and I have my ideas about why I think it is that is legendary epic stuff that we're able to do. That is Mm -hmm. not something I think that the robots are going to figure out quickly. They're going to, uh, elevate us see this power we have and go oh yes we should definitely be working together <laughs> you, know? you think the robots will oh yeah
1: recognize the profundity of the heart of intuition yes. of manifestation of the unseen magic they yes. will recognize that they do not have that yet and we move. should
0: definitely be in tandem
1: we should be in tandem yeah. so let's just let's just paint this reality for a minute mm-hmm. like we wake up it's five, 15 years from now, who knows how fast this is all happening. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, most of our basic labor is being handled by AI. We've got my...
0: And the one thing we're going to have to do at this moment is understand that we are valuable even if we're not doing shit all day long
1: well this is a big
0: big (laughs) it's a big ass it's a
1: big ass because how much of our identity is wrapped up in what we are doing and so uh, you're right we're gonna have to figure out a way to Mm -hmm. value being which is inherently feminine
0: right like we Mm -hmm. are
1: in this change where like the zeitgeist is shifting from this Mm -hmm. hyper masculine achieve go conquer plant the flag in it into this more receptive in Mm -hmm. flow in alignment frequency which does not mean pro-female, it's just we all are getting into deeper alignment with ourselves and with the planet. So this is a fascinating thing I've never thought about before, is that... If our identity is wrapped up in what we are doing Mm -hmm. and those jobs are taken away, we are going to have to attach our identity to something else. And why not attach it to the unseen magic, to the thing that is not replicable, to the intelligence of the heart, to the ability to have intuition and to tap into collective consciousness itself?
0: You already know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we're going to have an identity crisis if we don't. And I think we all know that nothing is more dangerous than a human whose identity has been to its core. And so imagine that the whole population is going through an identity crisis at one time.
1: Yeah. We're going to have to give them a carrot
0: yeah. real quick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is why I'm such a big fan of the work you're doing because, I, because just like going into pleasure and understanding, giving yourself permission for deep pleasure and play is going to be critical to this shift.
1: So you're just saying we can, like, wake up, the AI is doing all of our jobs, and we can just, like, meditate and manifest and do yes. pleasure prayer all day? Right, exactly. <laughs> Sign me up.
0: <laughs> and that's going to actually elevate our magic, our, like, whoa, look what these people can do. Look what they can do for us. And they would do it for us just to be nice to us, not because they needed us to be their slave, just because we've been great partners together. Like, look, at we got them here, and they're grateful, and we're going to just be all in harmony together. And that sounds very much like, oh, this guy just wishes good shit on the world. But that's what I genuinely believe.
1: Okay, can you just paint that picture in a little bit more detail? Because I I do believe there's so much time and energy spent worshipping our worries around Mm -hmm. AI. Because people just don't understand and we inherently fear what we don't understand. So can you, like, just speak more, like, really paint this picture so that we even know what to
0: manifest? I want to thank you for that term because you gave it to me and I use it every day. Worshipping our worries mm -hmm. and, like, praying for our fears to come true. Mm -hmm. And... When I think about when I'm scared and worried about things, I feel it all through my body. This like reverses manifesting our doom, and it's difficult. It's difficult for people to step out of that. So I just want to take a second to thank you for that and what it's taught me about the work that I'm doing uh, here. So
1: you know, it's really good at moving from worshiping your worries to worshiping your dreams. What's that? Orgasmic, Orgasmic states. states. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's instant. Yeah. It is. It is like within minutes. And I've done it like three times in the past two weeks. I've had like big events. I was super stressed. I was in my fear of like, what if it doesn't go well? Mm-hmm. I wanted it to go so well. I was sleep deprived and blah, blah, blah. And then I just took the time to actually practice the tools that I'm preaching. Right. And then, oh, guess what? They work. Yeah. You change your internal chemistry and you have a clear idea of where you want to go. Turns out it usually happens. And so I think it's really important with a a tool this powerful Uh that has this much potential to change not only the human experience but also relationship with this planet and other planets. We better fucking be intentional about how we interact with it and where we want the dream to go.
0: Yeah, and we got to make a big jump right now. And and I want to go back to saying that it's not this. We're not in a decision point of like to AI or not to AI. AI is birthed there are enough people that want it to keep going, that it will keep going. It will snowball. We're just at a decision point of how do we act? What is our value? How do we step deeper into our own intelligence, our own, like the intelligence of the life force? And how do we treat this thing? What is the relationship that we cultivate with this thing that, could be more powerful than us in some ways. Mm-hmm. And also thank you for, for saying we just said a second ago about like, it took a second to practice what I preach because we all know good things to preach and we all struggle doing them too. And I just think that that's important for your audience to hear. Uh, we're doing it enough. Like we're doing the things we preach enough to to make a shift in our, in our world. Mm-hmm. But you know, in this future, we accept that the thing we're supposed to be doing is really digging into this gift of what humans have, uh, what, you know, animals have in general, but humans have a very extra unique gift of combining this brain and heart and then all of the metaphysical together that a lot of animals just don't cognitively get to. Some of them kind of innately do it um, on, on some level, but If we can understand that, like, there's gonna be a big period where it feels like it's not happening, nothing is going on, and we're not sure what's happening. That that we're not, it's gonna take us a while to collectively all understand how much more intelligence we have than the AI. And so we're gonna be. Well, different
1: type of intelligence.
0: Different type of intelligence, yeah. And And one that we
1: have not historically valued. And
0: yeah. And so we have to have a bit of cultural, you have value just for trying, keep trying. It's okay to do nothing. You just you are born valuable. You are born with value, and you have everything you need. You have all of the basics. You do not need to amass a, a, a huge empire. It's okay if you did it, as long as it's not at the cost of other people. And keep working on what it is that we're capable of, things like manifestation and understanding, like, what is that power? how does it work? How do we amplify it? How do we change the reality of everything? And I just think there's going to be this period that feels like I'm just not sure it's happening and I'm scared and am I valuable? Who am I? Mm -hmm. What is my purpose here? I need a purpose. I need purpose for so many people is attached to doing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I always ask people, if you accomplish your purpose today, like right now, in the snap of a finger, would you be happy?
1: Well, I can answer that question. let the answer. I, I, um, I, spent my whole life from fourth grade until I was twenty-two years old trying to get on Broadway. It's the only thing I wanted. I was like, I'm going to be on Broadway. I'd be on Broadway, and I worked in singing and dancing and acting and auditions and voice lessons. And I got on Broadway like my like very quickly mm-hmm. after I moved to New York. Three weeks after my Broadway debut was the saddest I had ever been. Right because I was more interested in the happiness of pursuit than I was Mm -hmm. the pursuit of happiness. Right. And so I was I was happy when I was in that. Yeah. I was like, oh, because then the carrot, the I'll be happy when really had uh, its illusion to attach to. Mm-hmm. And that thing happened enough times. I got my dream enough times, thank you, yeah. that I was able to realize that like, oh, my happiness is not on the other side of the achievement of these things. And that is really the gift that meditation gives us is that yeah. it gives you access to your fulfillment in the only place that it resides, which again, I had not linked these things together until this conversation, but it feels like, I got to put the gas pedal like to the metal of like people are going to have to be able to connect to the pure essence of being and understand that they are not their job. They are not their resume, that they are not even the body, that, that they are a fractal of something so much bigger. And if you don't, you can have an intellectual idea of that, but if you don't have a visceral experience of that, then I think that you're right. We're heading for like a really big potentially painful existential crisis of who we are
0: that is the actual asteroid and that's the asteroid is that crisis of who we are if we if we don't start the navigation of it right now i'm an entrepreneur i'm surrounded by tons of entrepreneurs all the time i can't tell you how often i see somebody sell their business for four times what they ever dreamed they would go into major crisis because they were their business, buy it back for like a horrible deal, just to like I'll do anything to get my identity back. Wow. And that it, it, it really punctuates to me the power of an identity crisis and how much chaos can come about, which is the other reason, you know, I think so much of the work you're doing and the other people on your show are doing is critical. Now, I'm over here in technology world, AI world, robots, machines, blah, blah, blah. blah. And so when I listen to the work of what you're doing and some of the other people that you're talking to, I'm like, yes, please do that more because <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do over here. If, if we come to this crisis, the whole thing implodes.
1: Yeah, like the tools only can be used at the state of consciousness of the collective. And yeah. if we do not shift the state of consciousness of the collective, then the tools will be used in whatever way right. the consciousness wants to use them. I mean, this is yeah. a large part of why I do what I do is, is for climate change. Like AI wasn't yeah. a thing 13 years ago, at least not to my knowledge. And so it was like, wait, we are not going to be able to solve these challenges at the same state of consciousness with which they were created. created. Thank you, Einstein. And so it's like, well, I personally, my gifts are not going to be in creating climate tech to solve this. What I can do is shift shift the collective consciousness. I know that that is a superpower of mine. And as you're saying this again, I'm realizing that the manifestation part will actually help people to dream into an identity bigger than the one that that will be dissolving for all of us. Right. And, but if yes. we don't have that skill set already in place of like, I'm willing to set down who I was for the gift of the potential of who I can be, mm-hmm. then we will be the entrepreneur trying to buy back the company at a terrible rate because it's all we knew. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we have to practice that becoming, we have to practice that stepping into something bigger.
0: When I look at, um, I'll be in rooms of entrepreneurs and I'm fortunate to be in certain groups like the ones that, that we're in together where people are fairly open. And I one day I'm sitting there and one of the entrepreneurs says, did anybody ever notice that we're all fucked up? <laughs> and I, I said, yeah, I did notice that. He's, I just mean like we all had, we're all kind of fucked up. Like we all had some bad shit go on in our lives. And it's like, it's a very dominant like trait with entrepreneurs, with people who have been massively successful is that there was deep traumas and things like that. And I said, my take on that is that conquering as a cope is the most socially accepted form of coping. And so you could go do heroin and meth or you, you could just try to conquer your way out of it. But if the conquerors are fueled by, like, the running from their traumas, this doesn't bring a beautiful world. <laughs> and, and so I see them, what often happens is they get to a place where they realize this and they start using the tools that you're teaching and untangling their identities their value with the doing and get to a place where if their purpose was fulfilled in the snap of a finger they would be in bliss and they would just exist in a state of bliss Mm. maybe they'd look for a new purpose but they wouldn't have to they wouldn't be like i have to be doing something all the time i've achieved it
1: or they could see it as an opportunity to to bring the abundance and to be a vessel in the other direction, right? right? Like rather than climbing the mountain, I will now have access to these resources, to these people. And how can I help to democratize some of these resources? Yeah. And I think
0: when you, when you get into the place where where you're not scared of all of these things happening, where you're not scared that you're, even that you'd meet your purpose early or that you would never meet it or that the legend of you would be, nasty or not is in the light you want then you're not showing up with fear energy if you showed up with fear energy to raise jasper or i did with lincoln and leo they would they would take that on take on the fear take on the fear Mm -hmm. yeah
1: if you enjoyed part one of this conversation with the brilliant jerry simpson as much as i did i have very good news for you because next week we are airing part two where we are going to learn about his fascinating origin story how he was instrumental in repealing don't ask don't tell in the military and we talk about how ayahuasca is actually informing the work that he is doing with artificial intelligence. And in a fascinating turn of events, Jerry takes the microphone and interviews me about my 5 days in complete darkness in a cave. And I am so excited to share part 2 of this conversation next week.